And welcome into Dog Central on a Thursday night. This is July 7th, 2022. We are here for our weekly Ask Dog Central chat. Uh, I am back joined again by John Smith and Dustin Wood. Nice to have you fellas with us. How's it going this evening? It's fantastic over here. Going great. Little, little going great. The, the feels like temp in Atlanta was, uh, it was over 100 for the like third day in a row today so a little, little warm but doing it's well good day for podcasting in the air conditioning though. <laughs> um Absolutely. well cool we got a lot of awesome questions tonight john i know you have uh, a lot of them loaded up uh if you guys are dog central subscribers we have been paying attention to everything that you've put on the board we also uh have put our uh our chat on YouTube, we can see it. So if you guys want to ask questions there, we will be paying attention as they come in. Um, John, what do you got loaded up for us? Awesome. All right, guys, we got some good ones today. So we're going to start um, today. We had a big wide receiver commitment. So we'll start with a couple of uh, wide receiver, wide receiver questions. Um, this one came from one of our subscribers on the Dog Central Forum. Um, the question is, nobody has ever had a collection of tight ends like UGA currently has in are accumulating it's like uga has cornered the market while our while everyone else is focused on wide receivers why is this happening why are we loading up on these amazing tight ends um and everyone else uh, out there is accumulating the wide receivers well georgia <laughs> uses tight ends um i mean i think that's the the most like simple answer right is if you look at Todd Mockin's offense like yes there are spread concepts there's some air raid read based concepts but if you just look at the personnel groupings that are on the field uh, you saw a lot of I mean you had a tight end on the field almost every down for Georgia last year certainly over 90 percent and you had two tight ends on the field quite frequently with one inline guy last year that was John Fitzpatrick and Darnell Washington and and then you know, Brock Bowers being kind of more of that receiving tight end. But uh, I think like what you've seen with wide receivers at Alabama, right, where they started featuring wide receivers and feeding them and then they started signing more of them. Look at Brock Bowers numbers from last year. Uh, the Probably the best season by a freshman tight end in the history of college football. Uh, 882 yards receiving, 15.8 yards a catch, 13 touchdowns. It's Andy's getting into rounds like they're throwing bones his way. You know, he's getting to run into rounds in for touchdowns. So if you are an athlete and I think Georgia also maybe realizes uh, tight ends are a matchup problem in a way that really no other offensive skill position can be just because it, it forces defenses into different personnel groupings that maybe they don't want to be in and then that can create numbers advantages in the run game or in the passing game. Or, you know, if you're, if you're sticking a linebacker on Brock Bowers, that's a recipe for disaster every time for defense. So I think it kind of goes into Todd Mockin's system and just the fact that he's going to take advantage of matchups. And if there's an easy play on the field, he's going to take advantage of that. And I think, it's actually quite brilliant instead of maybe trying to like force feed balls to the outside when that's not what the defense is dictating will be easy for you. 
Yeah, I like I like that. I I you know I also think, um, I I think we saw what Kyle Pitts did at Florida, right? Um, and uh, and I think you see something like that. There there is there was a lot that Mullen did with Kyle Pitts that um, you can create, you know, like, like you were talking about Graham, like you, you can create when you have the athletes at tight end like that, you can create mismatches all over the field. Um, and it really gives you, I think, I think people, people see what Brock Bowers did. Um, but I think underneath that really the success of Brock Bowers was he, he's an absolute monster, but it also was a lot of mismatches. It was, Henry Toa Toa, like not know, like trying to get out and cover a guy that has the speed and the size of Brock Bowers, but then he could turn around and block as well. Like you can absolutely just you know do a lot of things to confuse a defense, and um and for for me, I think you know that's that's part of the reason why uh, Georgia has has been able to have success success with tight ends is because the the pitch is there, right? The pitch from Todd Hartley is. <laughs> Hey, dude, <laughs> you're an athlete. Like you got the size, you got the speed, you got the skills. You're going to be lined up on some guy. There's no way he's going to be able to cover you. And we're going to put you in formations. And yeah, sometimes you're going to have to block. But at the end of the day, like you're going to get opportunities that you would not get other places because of the scheme that we use and and we know how to create those mismatches. Um, and you know, I, I would also say, I I don't. Georgia's offense, I do think, has overshadowed some of the talent that we do have at wide receiver. Right, the question that we're that we're answering right now is everyone else is focused on wide receivers. Georgia, Georgia is focused on wide receivers too. I mean, there are some guys on this team that are very, very good athletes that are, that some of them were were highly recru- recruited wide receivers as well. I mean, Georgia had George Pickens. Unfortunately, you know he towards ACL in, in the spring last year. But, I mean, Georgia has some talent at wide receiver. Um, I just think that mismatch game is just so strong um, for UGA right now that it's hard in some places for um, for wide receivers just because of the reads that Todd Munkin is, is given, you know, the quarterback. It's like you're going to – you know where a mismatch is going to be. And most often uh, than not, it's going to be one of these tight ends. Yeah, I, I guess the thing I would say on the recruiting aspect, you know, the honest honest thing, if we're going to be honest mm-hmm. on the podcast, would be that they're negatively recruiting us across the board on that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I would say that Kirby has stopped a lot of narratives, you know, throwing to the tight end, mm-hmm. defensive lines getting recruited or getting drafted. But, um, you know, I, I do think that they're getting negative recruited on that. But if we're also being honest, mm-hmm. if you kind of look at our board – I mean, really, none of the people that we've been targeted at have even made their decision. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of them, they have us on their list, and they want to see what Todd Munkin's going to do this year. And depending mm-hmm. on how that plays out, you know, Hakeem Williams, Tyler Williams is, is deciding later. Jalen Hale is deciding later. Um, I mean, you got some good guys on the board where if you get those three guys, nobody on our uh, – none of our listeners are going to be complaining about yeah, that's a that's a great that's a great great point, Dustin. Um, I mean, 
We we heard for years, right? Like Georgia's wasting tight end talent going back to mm-hmm. Isaac Nauta. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. Georgia utilizes its tight end talent with Brock Bowers. And I get questions <laughs> all the time. Why isn't Georgia throwing to Darnell Washington? You know? And so it's like, it's that is the nature of fandom. And I get it. Mm-hmm. There is never going to be any such thing as a perfectly balanced offense. I also think like if you look at modern NFL football, and to a certain extent now, modern college football, like who are the teams that are competing for Super Bowls every year? It's the teams that have mismatches at tight ends. It's Travis Kelsey, Gronkowski, um, you know, OJ Howard, like some of these guys that have been in the NFL. And and I mean, Monken had Howard in Tampa Bay and did some really interesting things with him. And that's why when he was hired and you have a Darnell Washington coming in, you have Eric Gilbert coming in, like, I think all of that feeds into it. It's also like Titans are wide receivers in a lot of scenarios. Like there's not, if you go and look at Brock Bowers last year and those 800, whatever it was receiving yards, a lot of those came out with him lined up in the slot or lined up Mm -hmm. out wide. It's like, we're not talking about, you know, five yard in routes on third and four Mm -hmm. from him in line position. Mm -hmm. I also think, if you had told me, like I did our outside wide wide receivers preview on Dog Central this week, and so I, I sort of went back into a lot of the receiving statistics from last year. Uh, Georgia was out was without fully healthy versions of George Pickens, Kiris Jackson, Jermaine Burton, Marcus Roseby, Jackson, Darnell Washington, Aaron Aaron wait, Smith. Wait, wait, we had wide receivers injured. Are you t- yeah, are you telling me that Georgia had wide receivers injured? Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, okay. yeah. I know. More than two, actually. Um, (laughs) But I think, like, some of this – what happened with Brock Bowers last year, like, yes, do I believe he would have been part of the offense? Certainly. But, I mean, Lad McConkey started at Z receiver against Auburn because Georgia literally had six healthy wide receivers, and they still found a way to get him five yards clear of his man on the two double Mm -hmm. moves that they ran to him in that game. Uh, The A.D. Mitchell, like – Part of this, like you look at a guy who started at X receiver for Georgia pretty mm-hmm. much all season last year. And I know I'm going to like some people are going to get mad at me for for saying this. But if you go into his actual stats last year uh, in terms of targets versus catches, he was 13th on the team in terms of catch percentage for his targets. He was targeted 52 times. He only caught 55.8 percent of those balls, 29 catches. Georgia's quarterbacks had a 92.5 quarterback rating when throwing to Mitchell, which is not bad, but they had like a 150 rating when throwing to Brock Bowers and a 154 actually when throwing to Ladd McConkie. Uh, 14.8 yards per catch is certainly respectable, but he averaged just two point yards after the catch per reception. So he was 14.8 yards a catch in 2021, but his average depth of target was actually 15 yards. So like, Mitchell was great and he made one of the probably, you know, one of the more historic plays in Georgia football history. He was a true freshman. Mm-hmm. I just, there's a lot that he can still improve on to become like that dude that, that I think everyone kind of like assumes maybe he was last year at times when yeah. really he, he kind of came on down the stretch and there was a lot of timing issues between him and the quarterbacks on like stop fade routes and, and stuff working the sideline, which is what you want to do with your ex receiver who's 
lined up way out on the sideline. So, and also, I mean, he, he led the team in drops. He had six drops uh, and, and two of those drops turned into to interceptions off of deflection. So like maybe he's the guy that, that breaks this, this narrative a little bit and he's that thousand yard receiver, but um, there's also a lot of other guys that, that could be that guy. Cause if Eric Gilbert's coming in at 250 pounds and, and Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington are healthy, then I think you're going to see him lined up as a receiver quite frequently. If Arian Smith is healthy for 15 games, I, like you're talking about a guy that's averaged nearly 40 yards a catch in his career, uh, mm-hmm. 11.75 yards per a route run in his career, not yards per an attempt. Just if he's on the field and he's running a route, it equals 11.75 yards. So there's plenty of talent, but Georgia's had terrible injury luck in that room. Like you said, John, like George Pickens yep. obviously hurt last year. Uh, Dominic Blaylock, right? Like if he stays mm-hmm. healthy throughout his entire career, maybe that's a very different narrative. So I, I think it's a myriad of things, but the fact that Georgia won a national title last year with all those guys hurt and yeah. and didn't have well, a thousand yard receiver is like a credit to Todd Monk and not a demerit, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, you had, you know, you had, you can go down the list, but you had, Kyrus Jackson wasn't fully healthy off and on, you know, during last season. Um, I will say one of the things, you know, a lot, a lot of people. So the question that we were just talking about was, um, you know, why are other teams loading up on wide receivers when it seems Georgia is focusing on the tight end? There was another question related to that that we have on the screen right now that says, with, with the talent at tight end, can AD Mitchell or another wide receiver blow that narrative? regarding UGA and wide receiver production next season. One name that we haven't mentioned is Lad McConkey, who, you know, Lad, Lad McConkey is certainly, um, you know, he's a guy that, that, I, that I feel like um, at the end of the season, particularly in the Orange Bowl and the National Championship game, you know, a lot of the stuff that he did during the year got overshadowed just because of, of, of the guys who made plays, you know, kind of during those games. Um but that's another guy. I don't. I don't think you know. He he's certainly not a guy that's gonna uh, go out wide like a like a George Pickens, um, a healthy George Pickens would. Um, but he. But there are guys. There are guys on this team that can certainly blow the narrative regarding UGA and wide receiver production. I think to Dustin's point earlier, you know, uh, to, Kirby Smart. The thing about Kirby Smart that everyone has to remember is. Uh, he he knows like he knows what's happening in recruiting he knows what's going on in college football he knows what he has to do uh to create a sustainable program so you're not just a flash in the pan had a generational defense and won a national championship um but also he's he's not the kind of guy that's going to go and and (laughs) completely you know build an offense uh around blowing up a narrative right Uh, i think at the end of the day um at the end of the day, I, I do think that um, with Georgia's tight ends, um, it's just it's, it, what's going to happen is I think the narrative is going to have to be the offense. The narrative is going to have to be what we heard in recruiting this offseason was, hey, we didn't throw a lot in the second half because we were blowing everybody out, right? I mean, that's what that's what Munkin and staff were, were telling uh, some of these elite recruits was like, hey, when you're, when you're up by, you know, it's right. Yeah. Or at halftime yeah. or whatever. Like what what are you gonna do? Right. And so 
Um, it'll be interesting to see just, it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, from, from schematically this year. And I know Graham, you have a lot of thoughts on that that you're going to go into over the next few weeks as we preview the season, but it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, schematically to kind of blow up some of those narratives. Well, and I think the question to ask sometimes is like, (laughs) would you rather win games by 40 points running the most effective offense you can run or would you, you know, I think there are legitimately, mm-hmm. I feel like I know some Georgia fans, uh, you know, I, I'm in some Twitter chats where <laughs> all they want to talk about is wide receiver narratives. And it's like, would you guys, sometimes I feel like there's people that would rather see Georgia go 10 and two and have a 1400 yard receiver. Yeah. And it's just like, that's not how this works. That's true. All right. Uh, let's see what else we got in the in the chat, guys. Um, I'll throw up another question, and then we'll go to the YouTube chat. Um, let's go to let's talk about recruiting real quick since we started kind of with scheme. Um, is July still going to be a good month for UGA when it comes to recruiting? Now, in in fairness, this question uh, was asked uh, earlier this week on our Dog Central forum. Um, we've had some pretty good, you know, kind of 2024 news. Uh, but, but Dustin, how are you feeling about 2023 and the month of July uh, for UGA? Well, I'm just going to kind of go through the board. And I know we have a few people that are going to be committing. We have a few that, we, you know, we think might pop this month, just depending on it. I would go with the two middle linebackers. I know I'm not going to get the exact days in July, right? But I know um, Troy, Troy um, Bowles from um, his dad coaches for the Bucks. He's going to be committing somewhere around the mid-teens. Um, 16th, I we, believe. We, yeah, us at Dog Central, we we feel like we're pretty confident he's going to choose the Bulldogs. Um, we also have Raylan Wilson. Um, he hasn't came out with a date, but we're pretty um, confident in the next probably 30 days before his, his senior season, he's probably going to make a decision and – we think it's a really good chance it would be Georgia. So there's two people right there. Um, we have Aguero going um, later in this Is month. The, yeah, the 23rd. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know it's, people thought it was a high State um, Georgia battle, but Miami would probably be probably second place for me. But I still feel like the the relationship with Will Muschamp probably wins out there. That's one of his his main guys he's been with. Um, and then probably the bigger one, I, I think I, I know Graham's guy on the defensive line. I know Jarrett is probably I, I think mm-hmm. the industry hasn't ranked too low. Um, mm-hmm. but that's a that's a big decision. I would say mm-hmm. out of all of those, that would be the one that I wouldn't be the most confident about, but I'm still pretty confident that he probably picks Georgia. But um I mean you're looking at five guys right there that if you land all those guys um, they'll easily be in the top five, maybe top four after all that's said and done. Well, and also, yeah. uh, did you mention Julian Sain? We have not. That's that. That's what I was going to ask as well. That was a, another question that we had related to recruiting was, uh, will Julian Sain commit to UGA before August? So that goes into this July question as well. I think it could be close. Uh, if I had to, if I had to pick, I would say yes. Um, mm-hmm. I think he will – pick Georgia before definitely before the fall, but I'm, I'm pretty sure his schedule, what he told me is that, you know, they're doing some team summer workout stuff and in the mornings and seven on seven in the evenings, but then they have a two week dead period coming the last two weeks of July. So that would seem like a natural time for him to 
kind of make that decision and and deal with you know just make, being being committed somewhere and announcing a commitment is is a a process and you know there's yeah there's people like me that want to hit you up for interviews and you know everyone's calling to say congratulations and all of that good stuff so um if i was gonna pick i would i would say i think we see him go like you know between july 17th and 31st yeah so so we have two threads here right we have 2024 which is starting to hit um which which feels it feels a little early but some of these guys uh, especially the high profile guys in uh in recruiting these days right they want to they want to uh, make a commitment and then so they can openly recruit their friends, openly recruit their skill players, openly recruit the guys they're going to camps with all those things. So that's 2024. You know, we had Nikar commit. We had Landon Thomas commit. That's the number one tight end in the 2024 class and a top 10 wide receiver in the 2024 stud, class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Julian saying uh, potentially committing, you know, um, here soon. Um, and we, you know, we're, we're leaning toward UGA. And then what Dustin was talking about is the 2023 class, right? If you tell me, you know, 2023 class this, this month, um, that you're going to have, uh, four or five of the guys that you mentioned Dustin hit. I mean, the answer to the question that we're answering right now is July is still going to be a good month. It's going to be a good month. Um, it's going to be a good month. It's it's already been a good month for uh, 2024 for all intents and purposes. And now Kirby and 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 team get to try to you know keep hang on to these kids for two years. Um, let me, let me for, say one last yeah, thing on 2024. If y'all are looking for wide receivers, we just it's good we have BMAC because pretty much all the big name high profile wide receivers are in Florida. So we at least have a chance. I would be honest with you, if we had Hankton, I'm I'm not gonna say anything bad about Hankton, but his ties are not in Florida. A lot of these guys would not be considering him. They don't have that relationship. But 2023, just look at the top 10 wide receivers. We could get three five-star wide receivers probably next class. So it's gonna be a lot easier for us next year unless we just kind of mess up that narrative, which I think B Max. I mean, he's going to be a great hire going forward on that. Yeah, the Green Soldier in the YouTube chat said, I still feel like we need to get one really elite wide receiver per class, which we can with with BMAC. I, I agree. I think, you know, um, uh, my personal opinion is that um, is that Brian McClendon um, had, you know, he, he just has a different perspective when it comes to recruiting than, than uh, Cortez Hankton had. And I think he came in and, you know, rearranged the board, uh, probably took, took names off or, you know, just had to, had to reshuffle. And so that does put you in a situation where, you know, him coming in in the spring, now you're trying to build those relationships and get those kids uh, for the 2023 class. But I'm excited for what's coming down the pike. I think, I think we are going to be in a, in a good uh, situation from a wide receiver standpoint, Um, especially I think 2023 is going to be better than people expect. I think 2024 is going to be um, elite personally um all right one other recruiting question from the youtube chat caleb downs is a no-go right um dustin tell tell me what your your thoughts are and graham you can chime in too i'm 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 not close to um agrero and downs but what are your thoughts on kind of those two going to the same school like what you know how how does how is that going to play out i mean i personally don't think that they're going to have any issue if you look at the depth chart um they're not going to have any time 
bare minimum play by their sophomore year if you look at who we have on staff right now. So there's not going to be an issue with either one of them coming in together. Um, but with Downs, if anybody says they know for certain where he's going right now, I mean, they're just lying to you. It's a three-team battle between Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia. Um, I think all three staffs feel decently. Um, I wouldn't feel good um, making a prediction. I'm not going to say he's a no-go. I definitely would not make a prediction of Georgia right now, but I think it's going to be one of those things that you're going to follow, and then 24 to 48 hours, you might be able to tell where he's going to go. But I will say one thing you need to watch out. He's really good friends with Justice Haynes. And Justice Haynes might or might not be a commit by the time he makes his decision. So kind of watch if Kirby plays that that mm. chess move before he commits. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything you said, Dustin. I think there's a lot of narratives out there maybe right now around downs. But um, I, I think it's – you know, I think Ohio State feels right now maybe you like the team to beat, but that's that's just speculation reading tea leaves and those things change quickly. So, um, yeah, I think it could still happen. But I do feel confident that Aguero is, you know, going to commit to Georgia. I think it's a matter of mm-hmm. just kind of win, not if. Um, so, I yeah, I don't, I don't see that as an issue, though, uh, like – like you said, I think the depth chart mm-hmm. and safety is is yeah. definitely a little bit thin. Um, and with transfer portal and all of that, it's just guys come and go quick. And and I also think that you know Georgia has did have a good DB class last year, but it's like uh, these safeties can also end up being stars very easily. And so all of a sudden, it's like in a way you really need three safeties on the field in a yeah. sense. Um, yeah. So you know, kind of that tweener position there uh, at star is a tough one to fill. And, and one of those guys might be a better fit for that. So yeah, yeah. to be determined. Yeah. These guys, yeah. The, these guys that, that, that are being recruited are definitely um, they're fitting a system where you're going to have uh, rotations and you're going to have, you know, third down packages that are, are going to put multiple and not more than two safeties on the field at times. Uh, um, so it's one a great thing. I, one thing I will say on that: if you watch how Kirby's playing it this year compared to the past, mm-hmm. he's more big fish hunting right now. And if he misses what he's going to miss, like if he doesn't hit downs, he'll just take that and go to the portal with that. So if you kind of look mm-hmm. at people, we've. It's a great point. You know, we I've been trying to preach this, but the NIL, you know, these people are bona fide superstars when they go into these campuses. And if they don't jihad with the staffs, uh, there's going to yeah. be a lot of people we were really close that we missed out on that would probably shift to Georgia. And I'm sure if, if these situations, they're probably hoping that they can get a spot in. So kind of yeah. Kirby's not going to take a, take a three-star last minute in a lot of these situations where in the past he would have. Yeah, let's hop into that question since you mentioned uh, NIL, uh, Dustin. So oh, we've seen – yeah, the <laughs> the question <laughs> is, we have seen UGA lose some recruits over NIL deals. Should there be concern that UGA is not keeping up with Texas and Miami or were the two that were mentioned when it comes to NIL money? Um, I'll I have thoughts on that. On yeah, that. go for it, Graham. Yeah. You go first. Well, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like what we've learned about Kirby Smart, you know, and a lot of this stuff never becomes public, right? Or, or you know, never becomes widely 
known to the public. Sometimes it, you know, there's stories that never leave our forum, right? Or, you know, uh, however you want to phrase it. But like Kirby's always going to put program culture over everything. And like, I think, I don't know if the turning point was Brenton Cox. For me, there's a little bit of a correlation. You can kind of look back and say uh, it was around that time where where there sort of became a shift where it's like, I don't care how talented you are. If you're going to be a problem and you're going to mess up what we're trying to do here from a, a team mentality standpoint, then mm-hmm. get out and go, right? And, and I think like for UGA – especially at certain positions like, like D line, um, you know, Georgia was just in a recruiting battle with Texas for a, a defensive tackle and the, the kid went to Texas. Right. And, you know, there was a lot of talk of NIL money involved in that. And it's like, if you're a guy that is going to look seriously at how you're going to be developed at, at Texas versus Georgia after what Trace Scott has done over the last few years and decide to, to take, you know, a little bit of money now instead of bet on a lot of money later Then, like, maybe that says something about how you feel like you're going to stack up against the rest of that room. I don't know. And that's not always the case. Cause there are, I want to be clear. There's plenty of kids here that are, that are dealing with family situations and stuff that, that we don't know about. And, and they might need money right now just to, to make life work. Okay. And so like, I, by no means want to make blank blanket statements about all players making certain decisions. But I also think that like there's some of these programs that are being very sloppy with how they run NIL and, and it's, it's more public than not, but like the way that Georgia works, uh, I know that they want to keep any kind of NIL stuff out of the, the headlines. Um, mm-hmm. They do they are trying to follow the rules and not use NIL as an inducement. But like, if it's a guy that they really, really want, I think, I think they're going to find that, <laughs> that money for <laughs> NIL. Um, but I don't think they're going to, I don't think, I think Georgia's in a spot where it's like, they don't have to, to pay more than what a player is worth. This Rashada kid, the quarterback that was down to Miami and Florida, I don't think he got nine and a half million, like they said, but I think he got millions of dollars. And then he went out to eat elite 11 and, you know, went like six for 21, I think in a scrimmage out there. So it's like, how does that investment look right now? Not super yeah. good. Yeah. Um, well, well, so, so my thoughts are kind of to what Dustin was saying uh, a few minutes ago. Um, <laughs> Kirby smart. So Georgia, Georgia is doing NIL. They're trying to do it by the rules. Like Graham said, there's, there are collectives, there are boosters, there are, uh, there has been money in college football for a long time. There is still money in college football. There has been yeah. money uh, in the Georgia program, and there's still money in the Georgia program. What I think has changed and and kind of Kirby's approach is you mentioned the shift uh, with you know maybe Brenton Cox. Maybe it was around that time, but but I think it's for for me it's been a situation that transfer portal has changed the game for Kirby Smart. Right, um, he's in a situation where uh, yeah, let let everybody else take the bullets for NIL. Let everybody else uh, uh, treat these kids like they're absolute royalty when they walk into a room. And I'm going to keep recruiting the way that I have been recruiting and selling them on development and drafts and championships and facilities and all of these things. And yeah, there's NIL money, but, but at the end of the day, 
I think Kirby is banking on um, a lot of talent being available in, you know, whether it's the portal or whether it's, uh, you know, guys who went to a program and they're really talented and um, whether it's, whether it's guys that, that just decide to leave because they, they want a, a better opportunity or whether it's guys that went to a place and then all of a sudden realize, Hey, this, uh, this locker room is a shit show. Um, because of because of this nil, and that's what I'm looking. I'm very interested to see what's going to happen. We already had this with Texas, right? So um, Texas defensive lineman, senior defensive lineman, I can't remember his name now. In in the spring of this year, he said last season, he said, you know, I feel like we had guys come in and they just want to chase money and chase women, and they don't want to actually, you know, uh, do what it yeah, takes. Yeah, do what it takes to 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 win football games and build a championship program. And you have a guy at Texas who has been around for a while, who's a, who's looked at as a leader of that, that, that team saying those things. And then Steve Sarkeesian having to come out and say, Hey, you know, we want to keep family business, like in the, in the locker room, like, you know, um, yeah, you we, we should encourage yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. But at the end of the day, right, I think that's what I'm interested to see is what happens to the culture of these locker rooms, because Kirby Smart is not going to risk the culture of the program because he could. Georgia, Georgia doesn't have Texas money, but Georgia has money like Kirby Smart could could have the Ferrari parked outside of Butts Mirror if he wanted to have the Ferrari parked outside of Butts Mirror. Um, but he's he's Martin taking Ford truck kind of guy. <laughs> the F one fifty the what yeah. the the Raptor, um, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but yeah, I personally I think you know Graham hit the nail on the head and you and you did too, Dustin. Where there are plenty of there are a lot of opportunities to get players in this day and age um, with the transfer portal. You don't have to you don't have to you don't have to hit them um, with. Uh, things that would be a detriment to your locker room in order to get good players. The other, um, the last thing I'll say, just to remind yeah. everybody, of this is like what a kid is rated on twenty four seven or Rivals or ESPN or on three or whatever it is. Like, a you know, that's not the same internal ranking that that Georgia staff might have for that position mm-hmm. group, right? Like they have their mm-hmm. own board evaluations. Uh, there's also the idea, you know, it's like upside here and, and kind of where, you know, where can these guys improve? So I think that's worth remembering in all of this is just like, you might think a guy's a five-star cause he's rated a five-star, but Georgia might think like, this is maybe the third best guy we're taking at this position. Yep. So well, Kirby game. said it, it. Kirby had a press conference that I that I I tweeted a clip from a couple times um, before the Orange Bowl, where uh, they asked him about you know how do you convince good players to come play at uh, at Georgia when they're not going to get playing time early on? And Kirby Smart said, "I've never had an NFL scout ask me how much a guy played as a freshman. I've never had an NFL scout ask me." They want to know where guys are in year three. And I think what Kirby has built is that depth chart that that's what he's focused on as well. He's focused on this kid right now. Where can he be in year three? And that's that's why I think there there are differences because development, you know, you have a lot of players who are absolute studs coming out of of high school and maybe they've peaked. Right. I mean, there is there that does happen where you have a kid who is a five star. He comes out and and he 
and he doesn't get better because of whether it's coaching staff or whether sometimes just kids just they peak in high school and then now you're in a situation where um you know so i think they, they look at, at, at folks they can develop um all right a couple more recruiting questions and then we can uh, move on to something else is there a chance that uga gets in pimba and tj shanahan this is from the youtube chat good dustin yeah, I mean Pimba, I, I would be, I'd be very confident as of right now. I know things could change with some people on the board that we have, but as of right now, I would say he's more of a Georgia lean. Um, now TJ Shanahan, I know he's probably gonna um, probably decide sometime soon, but I would say he's he's probably gonna go to Texas A and M. But I mean. You know, I won't go too much in the offensive line, but that's another position where um, some of these guys we're going for are going to decide a little bit later. Um, so I, I, that was probably where I would lean on this too. Well, and here's the thing: we we know that uh, recruiting is not over till it's over. So even for 2023, it's still the summer, um, and so uh, there's there's still time uh, for 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 some of these kids, even if they do decide to commit and especially unless uh, they sign their NIL rights away to a Texas A&M. Well, well, that's true. (laughs) The guys in the suites. Um, all right. Anyway. Um, (laughs) do you think we get serious with the Baylor or Tulane 2023 QB commit? So this is a 2023 quarterback question. Uh, Graham, what do you think about 2023 quarterback situation? Man, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think my hunch is no, because mm. I think Julian Sane is going to be in the boat. And regardless of what everyone else thinks, I think that Georgia actually is in a pretty okay position with the quarterback room for 2023. Cause I think Carson Beck is a lot better than most people want to think or realize. Um, so I, I think it's more every, you know, all the chips in the middle of the table for that 2024 quarterback. Cause I think, mm. Saying is probably the best prospect that Georgia's been in on at QB in maybe 15 years or so. Like I would go back to Stafford. Um, Agree. So if something falls in their lap, I don't think they're going to say no, but it's like, I also don't think they want to do anything like five-star quarterbacks. They, they basically line up and they pick their slots. And I, I understand why people get weary of like, is it worth me following recruiting for the 2024 class when these kids are so mm-hmm. far away? But it's like with quarterbacks in particular, it is because these kids pick where they're going. They kind of claim their, their spot and they don't go anywhere else. Um, yeah. Maybe like I could see Georgia taking uh, like a, a, a late in-state guy for 2023, like on, you know, the, in March, maybe, or whenever the, the, the final signing day is for that yeah, class that, that maybe blows up and has a good senior year, but it's just like, I don't, I don't know that it's worth them really kind of playing that game. Yeah. I, the, the only thing that, you know, gives me, gives me pause is, um, and we've, we've talked about this previously is that um, Kirby Smart has taken a quarterback every class that he's been at Georgia. And mm-hmm. so uh, do we really think he's going to go, you know, do we really think he's going to go a whole cycle and not actually take a quarterback? And there's a number of reasons why he would or would not do that. And, you know, only the staff, you know, they only know what's going on in the room and kind of it's a, it's a lot of factors, right? Where are guys' heads? Where are they developing? Like, are is there potential for – uh, guys to leave because because at the end of the day we saw it with um 
we saw, I mean, 2020 was, was super, a super weird year. Um, but we also saw it with 2021 with JT Daniels. Like we've seen where depth at QB has been, you know, has been critically an important issue, yeah. and, and has been an issue. Yeah. And so I think, um, I'm going to be, I'll be surprised if we don't take a quarterback. I don't think that it's going to be personally. I don't think we're going to get, um, a flip from uh, Baylor or Tulane were the two that were mentioned. I don't think – I personally don't think we're going to get a flip from something like that. I think it'll probably be um, a guy that's uh, has some skills that's lower down on the chart that's probably not committed um, yet if we, if we take one. <laughs> yeah, no, so I mean, I think it, it. Yeah, go for well, it. Well, I was just saying, I think it depends on maybe how Brock Vandergriff and Stockton look this fall. That might determine – and, you know, maybe you get a one-and-done guy out of the portal for a final year or something like that to bridge that gap. But, yeah, sorry. What were you going to say, Dustin? No, so so the Baylor guy, um, he has ties to Texas A&M. Jason had told me this this past week. I don't know if it's someone in his family or, or a coach or something, but somebody mm-hmm. in the Texas A&M, I would look for more for him to flip the Texas A&M. The Tulane guy actually has the same um, quarterback trainer – as um as saying does so i don't think we do that because they're too close in in time so i don't see that happening and going back i mean i'm in the boat that i don't think if you look back in the past where in 2019 you have from and stetson and a backup uh like a walk-on as your third quarterback i think kirby went through that he's like i'm not gonna do that again agree yeah i think it's setting up 100 percent to where this is going to be one of the better situations for a transfer quarterback to come in. And mm. I don't think for one second Kirby is worried about Carson Beck's feelings. That doesn't mean that Carson Beck won't win the job, um, yeah. but he is – Oh, I didn't before. say that. He's yeah. not, no, 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 I'm not yeah. saying you, but I'm saying the people are yeah. going to be out there saying, well, Carson Beck's waited his time. Well, well, well he, he just, he's not that patient. No, well, people people will be saying Brock Vandegrift, Gunnar Stockton, right? I, I think um, – I think yeah. you know big time college football. I mean, Alabama just did this. Uh, is doing they're doing it right now with they got uh, the Holstein kid who is like the number eight QB in the twenty twenty three class, and now they're going after uh, Dylan. Um, yeah, Longering, yeah. who's who's the number nine quarterback in this class, right? Like, fe- feelings don't matter when it comes to when it comes to a quarterback room. Um, but that's a great point, Dustin. That I. I I think that's something that is available that it doesn't have to be a high school graduate 20 class of 2023 guy. You can go to the portal and get a QB um, that, uh, that wants to, you know, that wants to come play at Georgia and you have that immediate eligibility. And the dom and the dominoes to that is if you're saying, and you see that a transfer quarterback comes in, let's say he beats out Beck, well, you know that there's going to be some transfers out. So that's mm-hmm. an even more advantageous situation for saying because he's probably going to be just left with one of the three that we currently well, have right now. Yeah, I think I think Kirby knows. I will say we're talking about 2023. I think, I think <laughs> the staff knows that they have to hit on an mm-hmm. elite quarterback for 2024. And by elite, it's got to be one – in my opinion, it's got to be one of the top four guys – um, so Rayola is is Ohio State right now, but that leaves you with saying Jaden Davis, DJ Lagway, like those kind of guys. It's got to be it's got to be somebody in that upper echelon um, for me. 
All right. Um, let's talk about a roster question. What's the what's the running back order uh, after Kenny McIntosh? This was asked on our forum, so uh, so uh, I forgot who asked it. I'm sorry. Uh, I'll have to go back and look, but they're assuming that Kenny McIntosh, Lady C, is assuming that Kenny McIntosh is going to be the starter. What's the order, Graham? Uh, I would agree with her assumption that Kenny McIntosh will be the starter. And then I think Kendall Milton's the clear number two guy right now. Um, but Dejan Edwards is a really good back that has been very, very impressive whenever he's got a chance to step on the field. Um, and it's not just situations where he's coming in against bad teams and, and running through giant holes. Like his vision is very very impressive and he has tools and the, mm-hmm. just he runs low to the ground he gets a lot of yards after contact i think that he's gonna get carries because georgia's always gonna rotate you know a minimum of three and often four running backs throughout a season to, to keep everybody fresh and you need that many guys in the sec you saw what happened to alabama's running back room last year where they mm-hmm. basically got down to, to one healthy back and he wasn't really even healthy himself so i, I think that it's mcintosh milton edwards but branson robinson is kind of yep. the x factor because mm-hmm. that dude's a freak and he's built like a baby nick chubb and when he shows up you don't know what's going to happen. Well, I think Branson Robinson is going to get some is going to get some carries in some games where, you know, the the that late third quarter, early fourth quarter, mm-hmm. Kirby Smart death march. Um, I think <laughs> I think he's going to get some carries. But I I agree with you. I agree with your order as well. Um, uh, you know, I think I. I think it's going to be very hard. It, it, what what we do know, right? And I think it's important for the listeners because they know this as well. But starting lineups, especially starting starters, especially at places like running back or places like uh, defensive line, it doesn't really matter. You're going to rotate guys. Like you're gonna, you know, you're gonna have a a Zamir White, um, James Cook situation with with mm-hmm. Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh and. Um, but I, I think Kenny McIntosh is going to be uh, the guy out there to start the game on September 3rd. Um, all right. Let's do a fun one real quick. What's your favorite meal at Waffle House? This came from the Dog Central Forum. Who uh, they, they like their food and drink over on Dog Central. Um, what's, what's, what's the order? Do they, have, do they have Waffle House out west, Graham? I'm sorry. I should uh, they do in select spots. Yes. Uh, <laughs> in select spots. No, come on. I want to hear it. Well, let's go. All right. My, mine is, mine is very simple. Mine is double hash browns, scattered, smothered, covered, diced, and chunked. So that is, um, cheese, onions, ham, and tomatoes. Um, and I get a pecan waffle and an order of raisin mm-hmm. toast. So I, I quadruple carb. carbs. Um, quadruple yeah. carbs, and yeah, well, I quadruple because I got the double hash browns, which are the carbs. Then I got the then I got the raisin toast and the pecan waffle. That's my order every time, just about. Fair enough. Go ahead, Dustin. Yeah, mine's the waffles, the double hash browns, and I'm on the bacon, and obviously the coffee too. Love it. It's a good good hangover meal. <laughs> the the yeah best hangover meal. So when I was in college, uh, there was still a Waffle House in Five Points in Athens, RIP, Five Points Waffle House. But uh, I lived just a couple blocks down 
kind of off millage from there. Uh, so it, I would often take a cab straight from the bars to Waffle House and then walk home from Waffle House. Um, <laughs> there was a cook there named Caleb, who was a, a really just a, a wonderful saintly man uh put up with a lot of drunken bullshit from a lot of different people but uh he had a special called caleb's eggs and for 375 you got like they said it was three scrambled eggs but it felt more like five and he would scramble the eggs with ham bacon and hash browns and put cheese over them Mm. um Mm. so and it was 375 which like you know, as a college kid, that's that's the type of like twenty eight hundred calorie meal. Yeah, and he would serve you know toast and all of that good stuff. Um, maybe throw a waffle in if I was feeling frisky. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I can't order that. I mean, I guess I could kind of try to duplicate it, but uh, I have like a, a strong nostalgia for that that menu item because it it wasn't really a menu item. It was just like this low key thing, and if you knew about it, he'd hook it up. So it's amazing yeah that's amazing well it sounds like we uh we all have have taken a little bit of time off of our lives at waffle this is a pro wahoo podcast for sure absolutely if you want to sponsor uh info at dogcentral.com waffle house executives all right um any update on guys that were injured? So <clears throat> a lot of a lot of guys, right? Brock Bowers, Darnell Washington, CJ Smith, Aaron Smith, Tate Ratledge, et cetera. Um Yeah. Um uh, I mean, I I'm always hesitant to speak too definitively on injuries because yeah. you know, especially this time of year, there's not a ton that comes out on it. Uh Arian Smith, I think, is – I mean, we saw on G-Day. Like, mm-hmm. he's – you know, he's back to to full speed. Um, C.J. Smith is one that I really mm-hmm. don't know a ton about. Um, mm-hmm. But if if they can get him and Arian on the field together at the same time, this is something yeah. I wrote about this week. Uh, that's a frightening proposition for defenses. Um, Tate Rattledge, by all, all accounts, has progressed well. Uh, I know they were very careful with him in the spring, but it sounds like, you know, from a, a workout standpoint, he's full go. And I, I think everyone expects him to be ready to to come in and, and try and uh, fight to take his starting position back at guard this fall. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a big one because by all accounts, he was the number one guard uh, in camp last year by a, a wide margin. So I think, if Georgia can get him back, that's huge. Uh, and I expect him barring a re-injury or something new. I expect him to, to be in there. Um, Darnell. Yeah. That's a tough one, man. Like he kind of reminds me of like some certain like, uh, NBA centers that we've seen over the years, like a a Greg Oden type of guy right now, where it's like, he's injured that foot twice. Um, he's such a big human being that you do start to worry just, you know, is, is he built in a way that his, you know, his feet or his ankles or whatever, just, just can't handle that size. So I, I think that's a huge question mark. And I, I don't know what, you know, what the, the answer is on that. Um, I haven't heard anything. I want to be clear. I haven't heard anything to make me believe that like his timeline is, 
gotten pushed back in any way, but it's just like he never really got healthy mm-hmm. from the last foot injury and then, you know, has, has a, another injury, an identical injury. So, um, yeah, that's – I hope – oh, and then Brock yeah. Bowers, I think, is, is like, doing well. I think they kind of just – like, there's no need to play Brock Bowers on G-Day, you know, like – just let them chill, let the shoulder heal. They'll bring yeah. that car out of the garage when, when they're ready to drive it. Yeah. Well, well, so fall camp starts August 4th. Yep. So I think that's when, uh, that's when we'll, we'll likely start, uh, really hearing things about, you know, kind of the SAS of guys. So summer workouts, um, especially, you know, over the next few weeks there, they are, uh, voluntary mandatory. Um, so, mm-hmm. uh, they're technically, uh, can't be mandatory, but we know how that goes um, inside the Georgia program. So guys are working out, but I think there's a various, you know, varying degree of of what's actually happening with guys who were injured. But we'll find out um, the beginning of August because that's go time. You know, when you when you get there and you're four weeks out from a game, that's really where, when you know where where guys are. Um, Jeff asked in the YouTube chat, is is the freshman linebacker ever going to play again? The one with the neck injury. So that's CJ Washington. Um, have no idea. Um, but thoughts and prayers to, to CJ. He had a, uh, pretty, pretty tough injury in spring. Um, Kirby smart, you know, gave the last update on it where he was going to go see some, some doctors and he was going to be in a neck brace for a while. So, um, certainly don't anticipate him being back anytime soon. Um, but hopefully he can get back. All right. Um, Last question from the Dogs Central Forum. If you have any uh, questions in the YouTube chat, go ahead and drop them um, as we wind down here. Um, are there any underrated prospects or kids that may be leaning somewhere else that we could see UGA end up getting in the end? Hmm. Dustin, I'm going <laughs> to defer to you on this one, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, under underrated. I mean, I I don't know. It's been kind of out. There's the Penn State wide receiver. Um, mm-hmm. that's not really going to be world chattering news. Um, we had him on campus and offered him. Um, Kazim Haynes. Um, I would kind of keep an eye on him. But you know, I I would I would say you know it's it'd be you know I think it'd be very shattering if if you got both of them but i would say um russell and james smith i don't think a lot of people think we could pull off both of them if i was going to go out the box and make a pick i would probably go towards those two i'm not saying it's going to happen i think russell has a good chance of possibly being this class and could sway them and then outside the box uh name to kind of watch um Florida just picked up a top um, top um, 100 defensive lineman. I think that kind of bodes well for Kelby Collins. I would keep an mm, eye on that's him. That's the one I was going to say. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Graham, you want to – No, yeah, no, wanna, no, you're good. You want to elaborate on Kelby? Good mention. Yeah, you want yeah, um, yeah, go for it. I mean, we posted an update on the, the forum about him. Uh, started, like – from a very, very reliable source, I know that Georgia is hard after him. Um, 
because like Dustin was talking a moment ago about kind of some of the linebackers and edge guys, Georgia's in on a lot of elite linebackers and inside linebackers and pass rushers in this class. And I think that there uh, are some guys that are, that are very highly rated by the services that Georgia maybe is backed off on a little bit Mm -hmm. because they really like Collins. Um, And I, and it's also, it's a scheme. It's a scheme. Decision mm-hmm. in a sense, right? Because it's like he's 6'5, 280, and he's a guy that can play that. Like Georgia, if you look at their normal alignment, there's not normally two true edges on the field. There's a mm-hmm. a guy like a Trevon Walker or a Malik Herring, and then you have like a Nolan Smith or uh, a Robert Beal opposite side of them on most standard downs. Uh, so I think Collins is that kind of body type that could be that they call it their buck end and they're in this mm-hmm. in the regular front they run the mint front um so sort of that four eye defensive end at 280 that big enough to stand up against sec offensive lines and clog gaps in the run game but athletic enough to rush the passer and could probably also dip inside and play that three technique at defensive tackle on uh obvious third down situations where they want to bring more speed in on the edges to, to try and get up there and, and cause some havoc on the quarterback. So he's one I think is like those we were talking earlier about sort of Georgia having their own board. That's very different sometimes than uh, how the services rank guys. I mean, he is a top 60 overall player, but I think Georgia sees him as, you know, potentially like a, another one of these kind of Trevon Walker types. Um that could be just a freak sort of athlete for him. Um, the other guy I was going to say, like not necessarily off the radar in terms of being committed elsewhere, but uh, both Tyler Williams and uh, particularly Tyler Williams, but also uh, Jalen Hale, both wide receiver guys that like, I think have started to climb in some of the recruiting rankings lately, mm-hmm. but Williams in particular has only played one season as a wide receiver in high school. He was, he was a high school quarterback. He's a basketball guy. Um, very, very long, extremely fast. Uh, just for a guy with his length, he has agility, particularly lateral agility that you just don't see very much. Um, so I think he could end up like his ceiling, I think is as high as any receiver in this, in this recruiting class. Um, and, and Jalen Hale is a guy that, you know, ran like Arian Smith type speed uh, in the hundred meter dash. So he's another one of those guys that I think has that burner kind of over the top potential, but he's also a little bit crisper route runner than most track guys that you normally see. I think he could, he's the type that could come in and, you know, take a little quick, curl route or slant route, break a couple mm-hmm. tackles and go. Um, so I, I think he's a little bit more durable and a little bit more physical after the catch than the type of receivers you normally see with his speed. So those are two that I think like if Georgia can land them could end up being just extremely explosive right off the bat. Awesome. Um, one last question from the YouTube chat. Uh, Cause I think this is interesting. Uh, are we expecting uh pop this, uh, Jamon Dumas Johnson uh, to call plays or Tresman Ryan, or does Nolan Smith call them from the OLB? Mm. Um, Good question. 
Yeah, that is a good question. And I, I don't have a, an honest answer yeah. to it. I mean, if I had to yeah. guess, I would say Tresman just because yeah. the experience. And I, I think he's kind of the clear number mm-hmm. one at inside linebacker right now. I think mm-hmm. that Dumas Johnson and Jalon Walker are going to fight it out. And I'm sure you're going to see both of them on the field a lot. Uh, and I think, you you know, Georgia played three inside linebackers a lot mm-hmm. last year uh, in, in many of their packages. And that's kind of the times they were most effective as a defense. So I uh, I think if the inside linebacker is calling the plays, it's probably going to be Marshall. But everything I heard out of spring practice is that Nolan Smith and Robert Beal have been like so on top of things that uh, yep. with with Shadera Uzo Dribe coming in, the new mm-hmm. kind of uh, edge coach, like he's told people that there are a lot of situations in the spring where he didn't even have to – like go and correct a mistake that was made because Robert Beal or Nolan Smith was getting to the young guy before he could. So uh, yeah. that seems like a it would bode well for them possibly being guys that are trusted to make those play calls. Yeah, I think I think Robert Beal and you you hit the nail on the head. I think Robert Beal and uh, and and Nolan Smith are going to anchor the leadership of that front seven. And um, and I think you know you're you're at a place too where. Um, Georgia's good enough uh, on defense um, where the play calls can come from can come from those spots if they need to. Um, all right. Um, speaking of linebackers, I'm going to drop some uh, linebacker stuff on the on the forum this weekend. Um, uh, was able to take a look at um, at Glenn Schumann doing a breakdown of what he looks for in linebackers um, and nice. uh, how he coaches those. Uh, and so, uh, if you're not a member of Dog Central. Um, go ahead and sign up um, uh, for an account, and you can uh, you can check that out this weekend. Um, excited to break that down, break that down for y'all. Um, anything else before we go? Go to dogcentral.com slash register <laughs> and subscribe. We're still thirty three eighteen for six months, uh, thirty three dollars and eighteen cents. So that's basically five dollars and fifty cents a month to get you through football season. It's a screaming deal. Um, you can't buy a pack are, of you can't buy a pack of hot dogs for five dollars. What no. would that buy you at Waffle House? You can't, there is no the Waffle House, house. deal that's five dollars <laughs> at this point. Yeah, yes. but that was like two thousand eight. So, um, yeah. Caleb's eggs are probably like nine bucks now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, go go check it out. We're doing a lot of cool stuff. Uh, Dustin and Jason are as on top of UGA recruiting as as anyone that I've found in the space. Um, and yeah, John's breaking down, uh, coaching techniques from Glenn Schumann. I've got advanced statistical position previews for, for every position group coming, uh, down the pipe, just started with outside wide receivers. That article is unlocked because I want you guys to get a taste of, you know, what we're going to be doing. Um, so please come and check it out. And, uh, if you come, you can just ask us these questions anytime. You don't have to wait once a week Absolutely. for us to, to air this. And at some point, this this show may become subscriber only as well because we are uh, giving away quite a bit of of good intel here. Yeah. So well, come in for the time being. We'll be out. here on Thursdays. Uh, so go create an account, um, throw your questions in, um, and we'd love to have you over there. All right, gents, have a good weekend, awesome. everybody. Did.